The following program is a paid advertisement. The views reflected on this show are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000. Doctor? 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 You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. Good morning, everyone. I'm Steve Cashel, radio host of the Chicago Bulls. Welcome to Sports Medicine Weekly here on ESPN 1000. Sports Medicine Weekly being presented in part by AlignMed. By Source, by Athletico, by ATI Physical Therapy, by Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, by Donjoy Orthopedics, by Karen Mulkin Health Consulting, by Integrated Orthopedics, and by Medwest. I'll soon be joined by my co-host, Dr. Brian Cole, the head team physician for the Chicago Bulls, co-head team physician of the Chicago White Sox, and sports medicine specialist from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Back to get it going right after this on ESPN Radio. What comes to mind when you hear the words physical therapy? Maybe you think you don't need it, but what about those aches and pains in your knee, your ankle, your shoulder, or your back? When you decide that you've had enough, stop by ATI Physical Therapy. ATI offers complimentary screenings by a licensed provider at no cost. Don't waste any more time dealing with pain. Get the ATI Physical Therapy today and start feeling better fast. Visit ATIPT.com to schedule an appointment or find a location near you. When it comes to your health and wellness, you have a choice. Choose ATI Physical Therapy. The Chicago Bulls, White Sox, and DePaul Blue Demons rely on Midwest Orthopedics at Rush for advanced orthopedic treatment. So can you. We are the team physicians for these Chicago teams, and we're ready to be on your health care team, too. Get expert care from these regional leaders at four Chicagoland locations. Learn more at RushOrtho.com. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, your world-class team physicians. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000. And we're back on Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. To access prior shows, interviews, and valuable resources on sports injury and fitness topics, visit our new blog at smwhome.net or sportsmedicineweekly.com. Feel free to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at smwhome. Dr. Cole, would you agree that uh, we have a lot of foot injuries, uh, no matter what sport? We saw with Chris Sale with the Chicago White Sox, and you're seeing it with the Chicago Bulls, Kirk Heinrich, Taj Gibson. We're talking foot injuries here. Quite yeah. common? I mean, the White Sox one is a, probably more random, I would say. But, I would, but you know, when He stepped I look out of at, a truck, right? right That's yeah, why. Yeah. So not, it's, it's a little like uh, Carlos Boozer breaking his hand, So uh, if you remember. Don't want to get into that. No, still wondering well, it why. Well, just didn't it just didn't happen in play. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, that's 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 all I know. But um, uh, I would say this: if I, th- in, in fact, we know this now because we're tracking sort of the incidence of different injuries in the NBA, and foot and ankle injury still is top on the list. And the same thing in the NFL, we see a ton of that. Uh, so it's it's extraordinarily common. I mean, even though like my expertise is you know shoulder, elbow, knee, I have to probably do more foot and ankle at least triage it and i use people like we're gonna have simon lee on the show this morning uh and my and my other foot and ankle partners at midwest orthopedics because we you know we always will get a second opinion we get someone to specialize in this but it is clearly one of the most common things that we see well let's bring in dr simon lee from midwest orthopedics at rush specializing in foot and ankle disorders foot and ankle orthopedic surgeon and uh Dr. Lee, thanks for joining us here on this uh, Saturday morning on, on Sports Medicine Weekly. Um, what are some of the more common foot injuries in the athlete that uh, you recognize? Uh, well, thanks for having me. Um, certainly, I think the most common injury in athletes, as well as just the general population, would be uh, you know the basic ankle sprain. 
uh, in addition to the ankle sprain. You know, sometimes I tell people that uh, the feet are kind of like the uh, tires on the car. That's the part that's hitting the road. Sure. And so the same way in the winter, you want winter tires or something with good tread. The feet, the ankles tend to be the part that's actually touching the ground. So uh, obviously critically important and to some degree kind of gets a lot of wear and tear. What about turf toe? Uh, what is turf toe exactly? Uh, turf toe is actually, I guess, the simple way of saying it's like a sprain to the to, uh, to the joint of the big toe. So I think some people would kind of similarly describe it as like jamming your finger to some degree. It's basically like a contusion, uh, so a big bone bruise to the joint as well as a lot of times a sprain to the actual capsule or kind of the investing structures that support the toe joint. Simon, can you just sort of delineate the difference between, and I'll, and I'll clarify, there's a condition called halix rigidus, which is really an arthritic big toe. So we How would you spell that? H-A-L-L-U-X. Is that right? One L or two? Two L. Yeah. Halix rigidus. Halix is the great toe in Latin, and rigidus is stiff, so a stiff great toe. So wow. we see it. I see it in dancers. We see it in uh, a, a number of our NBA players. You know, through I, you know, I, le- I would think in theory anyway through repetitive trauma. They're all, you know when they toe off. There's a tremendous amount of energy that goes across the the foot joint. So the big toe, it looks kind of like a swollen knuckle in a lot of these guys, and I see it an awful lot. So how do you differentiate that sort of early form of arthritis uh, from turf toe, which we te- we do see it in the NBA, but we also see a ton of it in, uh, in the NFL. Correct. Yeah, I mean, so hallux rigidus, as Brian said, was uh, essentially a stiffening of the big toe, and typically it's an it's a arthritic condition. That being said, uh, we probably assume or look at it and think of it as a on a spectrum, meaning for a lot of individuals, athletes, it may just be some occasional soreness, some achiness, a little swelling on the uh, top of the foot where the big toe is. But over time, people will notice that that joint keeps getting stiffer, achier, and actually starts preventing them from activities where they're really kind of getting up on the ball of their foot. Um, that's an arthritic condition, hallux rigidus. Uh, the other one that's pretty common and also sometimes gets confused with it is called turf toe, which essentially is like a, a sprain to the big toe joint. And typically with turf toe, you can have kind of a bruise to the top of the a big toe joint, but a lot of times you also end up spraining the ligaments on the bottom or the ball of the foot. I think turf toe, um, does that come from uh, artificial surfaces? Is that is that where it kind of established uh, its name, you think, Dr. Cole? But yeah, that's it. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it's actually uh, turf toe when it was popular back in the 80s, and a lot of the football stadiums were converting to the artificial turf. That's where we actually saw an increased incidence, or at least a uh, higher uh, awareness of these type of injuries in athletes. So how do players get it on the hard court, uh, like basketball players? Uh, typically you'll see, um, you know, when you see the athlete basketball players kind of landing from a rebound or just kind of jumping down, typically they're kind of landing on the ball of their foot. And so when they kind of get overextended and they really kind of uh, bend that big toe back, in a way that they weren't ready to or kind of almost hyperextend it. That's usually what we'll see when we uh, see this injury occur. 
Dr. Simon Lee joining us from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, a foot and ankle orthopedic surgeon. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole at Sports Medicine Weekly. How about stress fractures? Uh, I read uh, something, uh, Dr. Lee, that uh, it can, a stress fracture usually result of combination of poor diet and overtraining. The poor diet was something that jumped out at me. Why? You know, we're uh, much more aware of a kind of diet and basically nutritional status contributing to stress injuries. So obviously if you're an athlete who's performing kind of a, a specific activity or a certain maneuver repetitively, your body actually goes through a cycle of what we call breakdown, meaning, you know, the injury kind of causes breakdown of some tissues, some um, normal structures of the foot and ankle, and then you need the proper nutrients in order to kind of build back up and kind of make that area stronger. So in some um, athletes, um, specifically like endurance athletes, we may see that they don't kind of replenish their nutrients and kind of the uh, building blocks that they need to kind of get back on track. Um, And I think probably one of the more popular things you'll hear nowadays is vitamin D and calcium being one of those nutrients or building blocks that are really important in terms of bone health and bone growth. Yeah, and we can't forget the female athlete as well where we see a lot of stress fractures. So that speaks to what uh, Dr. Lee is talking about uh, sort of on uh, at a whole new level where percent body fat is, is very low so they don't metabolize or lay down bone efficiently. They're nutritionally depleted. Uh, they have osteoporosis, thin bones, and so forth. Um, and they get uh, very high incidence of exercise-induced stress fractures. So that's a big problem. They're not menstruating properly. They're, they're, there's a, a whole much, a whole litany of sort of uh, hormonal aspects of that as well. Interesting. And uh, finally, uh, one of the common injuries, uh, foot injuries, that uh, comes to mind, plantar fasciitis, right? We remember Joaquin Noah went through that. And crossing our fingers, we haven't heard about that being with the, well, you could tell us, Dr. Cole, he's really been free of that, hasn't he? Yes, I don't, you know, I, I get a little superstitious sometimes, but we've had, uh, a, plantar, <laughs> it's good news. We've had a plantar fasciitis free year. Um, you know, it was interesting, Simon, I'd be interested in your thoughts because I, there was a couple of years where, so, you know, one of the tendencies was to try to get the lightest shoe possible. And it was interesting how almost every shoe manufacturer was providing, you know, options where they were very light and they weren't very rigid and they were just incredibly flexible. Do you, and, and I don't know, maybe it was just coincidence, but do you think there's any association with sort of the rigidity of the shoe, either along the length of the shoe or torsional rigidity, its ability to, to twist and the development of plantar fasciitis? Yeah, I think that's certainly the uh, true, Brian. You know, what we have seen, as you mentioned, not only with basketball shoes, but even kind of all types of shoes, kind of the minimalist or almost even kind of the barefoot type shoes. Um, certainly, um, if you think about the foot as kind of being like the, uh, the tires that hit the ground, you really want good shock absorption. So the same way if you're riding in a car, you want good shocks to kind of absorb a lot of the, the bumps and the uh, the potholes that you'll run into. So similarly, I think with such a high-impact and repetitive sport like basketball, having good shoes, having good cushioning and shock absorption certainly uh, you know, contributes to a lot of the foot and ankle conditions or overuse, repetitive use injuries that we'll see. And Dr. Cole, Dr. Lee, the big question, though, the million-dollar question, how do you treat plantar fasciitis? I'm going to let uh, si- I, whenever we, you know, early on when I had this this problem, I would always turn to my foot and ankle specialist. So I'm going to let Simon uh, tell tell us that. Is that a tricky one, Doctor Lee? Uh, it's not so tricky. I think you know sometimes 
people are kind of looking for that uh, simple and quick fix. And so, you know, sometimes you'll hear about people getting a cortisone injection, for example. But really, in my practice, what I've found is for a lot of people with plantar fasciitis, it's just kind of being a little too stiff and kind of getting a little too tight. And so I think uh, having flexibility and really stretching and kind of maintaining flexibility is probably one of the real important tenets of treating plantar fasciitis. Um, I think a lot of people, when they talk about plantar fasciitis, I think myself and a lot of people I know, they'll say, you know, first thing in the morning when they get up, really kind of stiff, uh, a little achy, have trouble kind of warming up. And that's just kind of a sign that um, you're just getting a little stiff, things are getting a little too tight, and sometimes you just have to warm things up and get things stretched out before you get going. What's our take-home message, Dr. Lee, about uh, common foot injuries that we can try to avoid? Uh, you know, for me, I tell patients a lot of times, um, your foot's usually talking to you. you got to kind of listen to it. So I think especially for our uh, fast-paced life, you're kind of trying to always be on the go, kind of follow a routine. Um, and certainly I think a lot of uh, foot and ankle injuries or conditions, they can be kind of repetitive or at least um, you know, kind of cumulative over time. So I think a lot of times the earlier we can get to these things, the easier it is to kind of treat or fix some of these issues. Terrific information. Dr. Simon Lee, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, specializing in all foot and ankle disorders. Thank you, Dr. Lee, for joining us. Sure, thank you. All right, back with more of our show right after these messages. On ESPN Radio. The Bulls play here. Up top, Snow, D3. Sometimes their bosses play on the radio as well. Let's bring in Bulls Vice President John Paxson. We're hoping, again, that we can be ready come playoff time, playing our best basketball in a rhythm, and, and being able to use our depth and versatility. Bulls Talk, Bulls Guests, on the home of the Bulls, ESPN 1000. The Chicago Bulls, White Sox, and DePaul Blue Demons rely on Midwest Orthopedics at Rush for advanced orthopedic treatment. So can you. We are the team physicians for these Chicago teams, and we're ready to be on your healthcare team, too. Get expert care from these regional leaders at four Chicagoland locations. Learn more at RushOrtho.com. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, your world-class team physicians. Feeling tired, sluggish, and overweight? If you're looking to lose weight and gain energy, join us in Karen Mulkin's 14-Day Transformation Cleanse. You're going to absolutely love this Whole Foods cleanse. You'll feel great, lose weight, build lean muscle, improve sleep, boost metabolism, and enhance athletic performance. This VIP done-for-you cleanse comes with a 14-day transformation wellness bag containing MCT Lean Vegan Protein Blend, fat-burning MCT Lean MCT Oil, snacks, superfoods, recipes, guidelines, videos, and other surprises. You will absolutely love this program. Sign up at 14daytransformation.com. That's the numbers 14daytransformation.com or visit Karen's website at karenmalkin.com. That's K-A-R-E-N-M-A-L-K-I-N.com. ESPN Radio. With the action on the court, the diamond, or the gridiron. Comes alive. The NBA. The San Antonio Spurs are the world champions. Major League Baseball. San Francisco Giants are the champions of the baseball world. A new college football playoff. College football playoff national champion, the Ohio State Buckeyes. You're home for the best in sports play-by-play. ESPN 1000. 
Integrated Orthopedics is Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana's premier provider of thermal and compression therapy devices for people recovering from sports-related injuries or orthopedic surgical procedures. To learn more about the benefits of thermal and compression therapy and to determine if it's right for you, please contact your healthcare professional. For further information about Integrated Orthopedics products and services, please contact us at 773-248-6400. That's 773-248-6400. What comes to mind when you hear the words physical therapy? Maybe you think you don't need it, but what about those aches and pains in your knee, your ankle, your shoulder, or your back? When you decide that you've had enough, stop by ATI Physical Therapy. ATI offers complimentary screenings by a licensed provider at no cost. Don't waste any more time dealing with pain. Get the ATI Physical Therapy today and start feeling better fast. Visit ATIPT.com to schedule an appointment or find a location near you. When it comes to your health and wellness, you have a choice. Choose ATI Physical Therapy. Mike and Mike. Only Gola could come up with this topic. If you were offered 10 half-court shots, you make one of 10 from half-court, you get $20 million. 20 mil. If you miss all 10, you got to go to jail for, for two years. Mike and Mike. Dead fresh tweets. Of course I'll play. The worst that can happen is betting again double or nothing. No, that's not. It's not happening. You miss that 10th one, you get cuffed right there and taken to jail. Mike and Mike, weekday mornings 5 to 9 on the home of the Bulls, ESPN 1000. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000. Back here on the Saturday morning Sports Medicine Weekly, I'm Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole alongside head team physician with the Chicago Bulls and with the Chicago White Sox Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. All right, Dr. Cole, is a fractured clavicle the same as a broken collarbone? Yes, a fracture and a break are the same thing. Okay, but I'm thinking collarbone and clavicle. Same thing. That's what Patrick Kane had. Right. And have you done surgery on, on a lot of those? Yeah, that's a you know we see um, I you know all of us who do shoulder and upper extremity will see you know athletes or bikers or you know I see it in mountain bikers. That's probably the most common source of clavicle fractures are bikers followed by maybe skiers. Um, you know, if they go over their handlebars, they land on the shoulder, and then they, they, they fracture, they break their collarbone or their clavicle. What happens when they immediately after a break? How do you, how do you uh, mobilize it, or what, yeah, what, what do you do? it's a tough one because it, if you think about it, the clavicle or the, or the collarbone is a strut between the sternum, so you right in the middle of your chest, out to the shoulder blade. So the, the scapula of the shoulder blade connects to the sternum through the clavicle. It's a longitudinal Does strut. Does it go around your back of your no, neck too? No, no, just in front. Okay. And so if you just, you know, you put your hand in the middle of your chest and you run it out laterally to the outside, yep. uh, you can feel your clavicle all the way to its end. So it's sort of an, a, an a semi-S or lazy curve in that bone. And they are commonly broken through a direct blow, usually to the top of the shoulder where they, you know, an athlete is at high speed and just falls off their bike, they're unprotected, and that just snap, cracks clavicle. And they usually fracture into a number of pieces, you know, two or three pieces. And, you know, historically... What happens to the pieces? They just sort of hang out there in this soft tissue envelope, if you will, kind of keeps them together, in, in at least in a reasonable proximity with each other. Are they removed for, during surgery? No, no, no you try not to need to? Yeah, so to it used to be that we didn't always fix them, and we would do like a, a special type of sling, a figure eight sling, for example, that is placed over the clavicle, which did nothing but cause tremendous pain and doesn't do anything. So, in fact, if the non-surgical treatment now is just a sling for comfort, and then usually after a couple of weeks, it gets more comfortable, but they're brutal to sleep on, because if you think about it, if you slept on your side where you had no... You think about losing that strut in the front. It's like an I-beam. So if you lose that, your shoulder blade just sort of collapses. It's extremely painful. Oh, I'll bet. So it used to be that 
Well, we say, well, they all, most of them heal. So why should we operate them? Because most of them heal. Uh, the challenge there is that they, once you fracture it, they get short. They over the pieces override, so the shoulder, the the, the thorax, the sh chest on that side of your body is shortened once they heal. So they may heal, but they heal in a shortened position. So not only is it incredibly painful, you can't sleep on it. It takes a couple of weeks before the fracture gets sticky enough. When they do heal, there's a potential that it heals in a shortened position, what we call a malunion, and that's almost that's extraordinarily difficult to correct. So many of us now fix them right after they happen. And it's a great, honestly, you know, there's, there's a lot of things in orthopedics which are great. This is one of those that is a great operation because the next day they have less pain. In fact, I have, you know, professional bikers who are biking the next day on a plate and a clavicle fracture. What's involved in the operation? It's an incision uh, that can go longitudinally or horizontally across the fracture site. Um, there's uh, several different devices. The two most common are just using a plate. That's a metal plate, usually titanium, but can be stainless steel, that has several holes in it. And the plate is sort of a strut, a strut over the top of the fracture. And then we use very small screws that are about 3.5 millimeters or 2.5 millimeters, not very big. So not in between the break, but over the top over of the, the break. Top, we line it all up, and we actually will put screws between the pieces. So we'll, we'll lock one piece into another piece with a screw that's not in the plate, literally just screwing it together. I mean, it's, it's really carpentry. <laughs> um, it's, it's actually a fun fracture to treat. Uh, so you just piece it all together, and you put the screw in, and one piece is held to the other. And then we use the plate to neutralize that whole repair. The plate lays on top so that the stress is not borne by the screw holding one piece of bone to the other. The stress is actually borne by the plate. And that holds things together long enough till the body heals, and then the plate's no longer necessary. And it can heal within six to eight weeks. In a kid, it can heal in four weeks. I have to go see a surgery sometime. You I'm dying are, to see a clavicle or an ACL tear. I, I'm really a meniscus, whatever. I'm, I'm interested to to see how that's done. You're, I really you're, you're always welcome. Carpentry. You're you make it yeah. sound like a it's a pretty easy, but uh, as we as we've said in past shows, and we'll continue to say, no surgery is an easy yeah, surgery, well, and yeah. uh, they all come with a complication. So post surgery, no, they don't all come with a complication. They all potentially could have a complication. Okay, yeah. I don't, well, know, I don't know what yeah. surgeons you go to. No, I don't mean complications. <laughs> maybe after after effects or yeah, they all right, have, yeah, that's true. Yeah. There's no, you know, there's no freebie. There's always some, you know, uh, morbidity, as we say, you know, pain, swelling, stiffness. That's what like I that, meant. That, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, no, yeah, right. no complications right. necessarily. But um, and then okay, so then uh, the player uh, or the you know common athlete out there, the weekend warrior, does what then after the uh, after you do the surgery yeah. with the plate? Yeah. So you know, like Patrick Kane's a great example. I mean, it's very difficult to return back to play quickly with an unstable clavicle fracture. But surgeons have to make some difficult decisions sometimes when you can send a collision athlete back. And hockey players are are no normal breed, by the way, and neither are the NFL players. So we, you know, there's there's various theories on when you can return them back, and and most will be reluctant to let them go back before six to eight weeks, mainly because you got to get you, you're only relying on the plate in the first six to eight weeks before the fracture heals. Mm -hmm. Then after six to eight weeks, bone-to-bone -bone healing happens where the plate is not relevant. Does that make sense? The plate's never it's removed. Really, the plate is like a cast when you think about it. We used to cast fractures so we could hold them together in one position so that they would heal. Right. A plate is like an internal cast. You basically, it's Which like is never cast. removed, though. It can be removed. It can yeah. be. Yeah, I know in females, I have a lot of female bikers who are they're thin and they don't like them, so we go back and take them out. I don't yeah, like my plate you're putting. Can you remove yeah, it? I, How do they know? Well, if you just look at them. I mean, you can see it through the skin. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, you can see screws and sometimes thin. You know, sometimes you can see it right through the skin. Yeah, the word, we've looked at ways now. We have pins that we use, or we put the plate towards the front or towards the bottom. But when you're thin, it's tough. You know, you're just always going to see it. So you just you take it out. Maybe one in five get taken out. 
And that depends on your patient population too. Where do they get these plates from? Uh, implant manufacturers. There's you know there's at least a half a dozen companies that make these plates. It's a big business. It's a huge business. And I, yeah. I just, I'm always wondering how they keep them. Um, uh, how they keep them? You know, you need to come to the operating room. I know. It'll solve all your curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> it's neat stuff. It really is. You do this every day like it's no big deal. Well, I think the hard, honestly, uh, maybe after being in, in practice for a number of years, I, I when I teach, I always tell other you know young surgeons, I say, look, you know, orthopedics is is really at some point in your career will become a commodity. In other words, the ability to do the operation is the commodity. Anyone can do it who has done enough of it. The hard part is making the decisions. You know, and decision making is something you learn over time, and that's really the art of medicine. And doing the operations are, are generally that's you know we all love doing that, and it's it's technically challenging, it's fun, it's extremely gratifying. And you know what? It actually gets easy after a while to do because we do it so much and it's so repetitive. It's like anything, you know, yeah. it's just repetitive after a while. But the decision making and matching the procedure or the or the solution to the patient, that's the hardest part, and that's an art. And finally, Dr. Cole, you, I remember you talking about meniscus tears, saying that, you know, science is advancing your technology or your the way you're going to be able to do things possibly in the future. How about with like a, a broken, fractured clavicle? Um, might there be a, a way to um, go without the plates at some t- point? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. It's a tough one because it's just, you know, these, these are uh, longstanding mechanical principles that are kind of hard to trick. Uh, so and it's bone, yeah, right? The, the Is that one, difference? Yeah, yeah, I mean, with the clavicle, one of the novel ways that people began fixing them is with a screw that goes in the center of the clavicle, much like we fix foot bones. We without the plate? Without a plate. And there's a lot of people who like that technique um, because you can make a little incision and drill, drill the screw through one side, then drill it out the bone on the other, and it's yeah. like an internal splint. I just, it's a much harder operation than it's made to look. And we had some issues where the patients had pain where the pin was and things like that. And in a contact athlete or a collision athlete, I think you got to remove it because if they fracture on that pin, it's a big deal. So I don't like the pins, but the upside is that the hardware removal goes down significantly. In other words, the incidence of removing the pl- a plate versus a pin is much, is much lower for the pin. But outside of advances in the plate and, and fixation technology, which there have been some terrific ones, um, non-surgical care has actually been – uh, fallen out of uh, popularity, if you will, because we've realized the downside of letting these heal in a bad position. So you can still treat a lot of non-operatively, but patients have to understand that this may not be a perfect outcome. you got to weigh that against the expense of doing a surgery, you know, the, the immobilization, the pain, the potential for infection, and the need to have hardware out. So nothing's free. Need to have the hardware out. I love that. Yep. Thanks for the expertise. No worries. Dr. Brian Cole, folks. More of our show after this. On ESPN Radio. We help gardeners keep gardening. We help runners keep running. We help golfers keep golfing. We help moms keep mothering. We help tennis players keep tennising. You get the point. At Athletical Physical Therapy and Occupational Therapy, we help people keep doing the things they love to do. So if you have an injury or a nagging pain that's holding you back, we can help. It can all start with a simple complimentary injury screening by a physical therapist or athletic trainer who will assess your strength, range of motion, and flexibility. Following your screening, we can make a recommendation and show you stretches or exercises to help you manage your symptoms and care for your condition. So you can get back doing... Whatever it is you love to do. 
To schedule your complimentary injury screening, call 1-877-ATHLETICO or go to athletico.com. The best athletes in the world and their medical teams have been trusting Donjoy products for over 30 years. With a goal to protect and return confidence in sport post-injury, Donjoy is the trusted leader to get and keep athletes in action. Whether it's football, basketball, soccer, volleyball, or even the official medical supplier to the U.S. ski team, always trust the global leader in sports medicine. Trust Donjoy, a product of DJOglobal.com. Take ESPN with you everywhere. The ESPN radio app lets you listen to your favorite shows on your phone. Download it today. The ESPN radio app from the worldwide leader in sports. ESPN 1000. The Chicago Bulls, White Sox, and DePaul Blue Demons rely on Midwest Orthopedics at Rush for advanced orthopedic treatment. So can you. We are the team physicians for these Chicago teams, and we're ready to be on your healthcare team, too. Get expert care from these regional leaders at four Chicagoland locations. Learn more at RushOrtho.com. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, your world-class team physicians. ESPN 1000. March Madness lives here. It ends with a live broadcast of the NCAA championship game. And don't miss the Final Four, the Elite Eight, the Sweet 16, plus first and second round action. But it all begins with Selection Sunday, March 15th. We are the home of March Madness, ESPN 1000. Take ESPN with you everywhere. The ESPN radio app lets you listen to your favorite shows on your phone. Download it today. The ESPN radio app from the worldwide leader in sports. ESPN 1000. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000. Well, that will do it for another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. Many thanks to our producer and board operator, George Katsarillos. Our coordinating producer is Teresa Ann Seeger. We also want to thank David Cole for managing the website and our business operations, as well as Samantha Smith. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel saying so long. Thanks for listening to Sports Medicine Weekly here on ESPN 1000. Back to do it again next week. We'll see you then. The preceding program was a paid advertisement. The views reflected are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000. The playoffs are coming. playoffs begin April 18th on ESPN Radio.